Thank you to everyone who supports this show and all the shows in the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. If you're not already, and I mean, if you're not already, you can join the growing group of cool people by becoming a Major Spoilers member at patreon.com slash major spoilers. And I know you were busy writing that down. Let me do it again for you. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. Go there. You'll find all the information. Sign up. Uh, buck an episode. That's all we're asking for, like, this show. That's it. Just set it up. Get access to a bunch of other stuff. Patreon.com slash major spoilers. Thank you so much in advance. The Major Spoilers podcast covers news, reviews, and of course, spoilers, and goes into details about the topics discussed. So if you haven't read, listened, or watched the items we talk about, you might want to come back later. I'm Matthew. I'm Ashley. And I'm Steven, and you're listening to the Major Spoilers podcast, the podcast for pop culture and comic fans. In this issue, manners maketh men, as someone said, and so we'll take a respectful look into the world of Kingsman. Uh, as a secret service, I don't know, it's all the same thing. There's a full slate of the news you love, the reviews you crave, and the opinions that you vaguely tolerate, all wrapped up in the mighty major spoilers manner of which you cannot get enough. It's a dream, it's a scene, and it's all brand new. If you think you can stop it, then the joke is on you. Roman soldiers! Oh, and right, the podcast is on the air, so yeah, okay, let's have one. Welcome to issue 913 of the Major Spoilers Podcast, 913 episodes that we've been doing this show for you each and every week. Sometimes we miss a week here and there, but for the most part, for the most part, we are uh, we are here ready to entertain you this week. Uh, Ashley is here. Hello, Ashley. Hello. Matthew is also here. Uh, no Rodrigo this week. Uh, hopefully he'll be back next week and uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Fearsome Critter for more on, on that. But uh, we got a lot of stuff to get through, so why don't we jump into some news? Ashley, what Ooh, do we got? That's definitely me. Uh, this is actually really exciting news. According to Variety, Stacy Osai Kufor, uh, if I mispronounce your name, I'm sorry, I love you, uh, has been tapped to write Marvel's Blade, starring the incomparable and handsome Mahershala Ali. While you may not recognize her name, Osai Kufor wrote the seventh episode of HBO's Watchmen series, one of the best. Yeah, and I say this as someone who hates Watchmen, which focused <laughs> on Regina King's character as a child in Vietnam. It's called uh, A God Walked Into A Bar. There you go. Uh, worked as the story editor on Amazon's Hunters and on HBO's Run. A story editor, if you are unfamiliar, is just a different credit for a writer at a certain level in their career. She also earned an Emmy nomination for writing on season one of Pen15 on Hulu. Uh, no director has yet been named for the movie and Marvel has not announced a release date, but this is like the second major Marvel project following Ryan Reynolds' Deadpool that has mm -hmm. onboarded uh, a female scribe. And I'm so excited about <laughs> this. Yeah, I think this could be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm really looking forward to see where they go on this. Of course, Blade was announced like, almost three years ago uh, at the San Diego Comic-Con. It's just kind of this last minute. Oh, yeah, by the way, Blade's coming. 800 years ago. Yeah, and then we really haven't heard anything since except for the uh, uh, Mahershala Ali uh, casting. Uh, and now we get the uh, writer. So now we just need directors and we need cinematographers and we need a release date. And I want to see what uh, the new Blade is going to be. It's probably so. going to be vampire hunting. Hey, speaking of vampires... Not that we were. Rick and Morty co-creator Dan Harmon has a new animated project at Fox Entertainment. Does not have anything to do with vampires. So I don't know why I said that. We don't even have a title at this point, but we know it takes place in ancient Greece of myth, centering on a flawed family of humans, gods, and monsters. Could maybe be a vampire. It's hard to say. <laughs> but they are trying to run one of the Earth's first cities without killing one another. Fox Entertainment is talking, hoping, praying for a 2022 release with the studio fully funding and owning the series. And I think that's going to be the most interesting thing, because one of the things that Dan Harmon has done in the past is mm -hmm. I want full control of stuff. That's why he ended up uh, leaving um, um, Community and it kind of went mm -hmm. in the toilet and then he came back and people were like, well, uh, can't do anything after that horrible season. Then he went and did Rick and Morty. He's like, I'm in control of everything here. Uh, you know, he and his other co-creators. Um, I'm kind of interested in this, especially as we move past the uh, Seth MacFarlane uh, stuff and uh, start to move into another era of animation at Fox. I'm not entirely sure that Dan Harmon and Seth MacFarlane are as far apart as you think, but I'm cautiously optimistic as well. I'd kind of like to see what this is going to turn out to be. 
Yep. Uh, finally today, according to Scout Comics, the Forever Maps by Mo- Mark uh, Michael Lagasse and Todor Hrustov is in development as a feature film. Here's how Scott, Scout Comics describes the comic book. When you follow the Forever Maps, you don't get hungry, you don't get tired, and you don't get old until you stop. And then all that comes crashing down on you. This is the story of a man torn between family and immortality who must continually choose between living forever and having a life worth living, unquote. Uh, we do know that Josh Campbell and Matthew Stukin are adapting the comic for lit entertainment, but there's no guarantee that this movie is in production. This is just one of those things where someone has got the option for it, and it's uh, into the development stage. No no green lights, no studios have uh, picked this up or anything. So, uh, you know, just uh, tuck that in the back of your your uh, your uh, cap for the moment <laughs> when they make a big announcement. You go, oh, I remember hearing that all the way back on the Major Spoilers podcast, episode 913, way back in that day. When they recorded it and listen, we want you to join in this conversation about these stories and so much more. You can do that by heading over to our discord server. Listen, if you are on your podcast app, all you have to do is open up the show notes for this episode. There will be a link. You can just click on that discord server link. It'll take you over to discord. You can join the major spoilers discord. You can jump into all the different channels for the major spoilers podcast top five and so much more. And if you are a patron, if you haven't done this already, you really should. Connect your Patreon account to the Discord server, and then you get access to even more channels, secret channels, that you want to check out. They're only available to our patrons. You can find out more about that at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Also, if you didn't get the uh, if you didn't get the announcement that I made over the Super Bowl weekend, I know everyone was kind of uh, taken aback by the whole Paramount Plus streaming announcement with all of those commercials. Uh, instead of always talking about all the shows that we have here at Major Spoilers, here's what you need to do: just open up your your favorite podcast app and just do a search for Major Spoilers with the plus sign, Major Spoilers Plus, and you will find the master feed for all of our shows in one location. I'm not saying that all these other networks are you know borrowing from us, but Major Spoilers Plus. I'm saying that. That's what you want to do. <laughs> well, I'm glad you're saying it because I, I don't want people to just say, Stephen, you stole that after seeing the Paramount Plus commercial on during the Super Bowl. I'm going to go, uh-uh. L-O-L-O-L-O-L. Uh-uh. I may have tweeted it during that commercial and then afterwards went downstairs That's and logged in SEO. and changed it to Major uh, Spoilers you know, <laughs> Plus. Yeah. Just smart business. Yeah. Look at there. Look at the brain on Brad. <laughs> Didn't Brad get shot immediately after that? I don't think so. Anyway, let's do some. Let us do some reviews. Uh, Ashley, what have you got for us this week? Oh boy, I have a cheat this week. Uh, So, if you remember, we talked about this ages ago. Ages um, ago. Either either on a major spoilers podcast or on a Finally Friday. I can't remember, but I know Stephen and I spoke about this uh comiXology in all of its infinite glory has been re-releasing icon mm-hmm. uh of milestone comics by the iconic Dwayne mcduffie in my opinion um the best book in the series uh even though static is more popular because static obviously had the tie-in cartoon uh and so the third issue came out this week and this is a series that i've never read in full so i was very excited to check out it's basically a re-release and also, it's Black History Month, and even though I'm going to put the big caveat, Black History is history. Every month is Black History Month. This is a great excuse, if you've never read Icon, I think, to check it out. And uh, Icon Issue 3 is kind of the final chapter in the first arc of Icon. So the first two, the first issue is the introduction of who is uh, Icon and who is Rocket, as well as their civilian identities. The second issue is them coming together getting their costumes going out on their first mission together. And this third issue is the end of their first mission and kind of a wrapping up of what their ethos is going to be going forward. So uh, it is tying up an arc where the mayor of the city of Dakota, the fictional city that they live in, like any good superhero, uh, the mayor has been under attack by a mutant lizard man called uh, Payback. And we learn over the course of this issue that Payback uh, used to work for the mayor, and the mayor used some experimental gases on um, a project, and and he fell victim to this, and so did a bunch of children, and children died. And so he is using all of his rage at this injustice to try and come back at the mayor. And it's very interesting because Rocket, who is the Raquel, the young 16-year-old sidekick, so you know she's my fave, 
she comes at it with a lot of empathy. She definitely comes from an ends justifies the means type perspective. She's really interested in delving a little bit deeper. Whereas Icon, who is a lawyer in his professional life, um, we don't quite know yet that he's like immortal and long lived, but it's heavily implied in this issue. Um, he is definitely coming at it from more of a law and order standpoint. And he is advocating that I can't let you go, but if you turn yourself in, I promise a full investigation that I will spearhead. And it's very interesting to see the two characters don't come to loggerheads, but that this is going to be a conflict in their resolution moving forward. And even though this issue was originally released in 1993. It feels so modern and so contemporary and so fresh and so timely. Like it is a wonderful reading experience. MD Bright's art is amazing. It has been very like the, the comiXology copy is a very, very nice scan. It's been taken really good care of. So you get a great sense of what the art would have looked like when you originally read it on the page. And while it is really cool that it feels modern and fresh and contemporary, um, Icon and everything at Milestone dealt a lot with race relations and with um, the Black experience in America at the time it was written. And so it's also a little disheartening to be like, wow, you could make this a movie today with Aldataj and Zendaya, and this would feel absolutely of this moment. So it, that's sort of a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. It does end... I like the way this issue ends because uh, Rocket very famously... I guess spoilers for like a 30 year old story uh, becomes a teen mom and has to deal with that while she's being a superhero. And the end of this issue is the reveal of her pregnancy, which in my opinion leads into the greatest arc of icon because I'm a rocket stand. So I'm definitely, definitely here for it. Um, <laughs> I like truly can't recommend this issue enough. And um, personally in the last year or so I've made um, an effort um, and I joined a book club Um to read more works by black authors and more works about social justice and things like that. And um, Dwayne McDuffie really throws down with the references and um, not only like Toni Morrison gets named, but they quote a lot of really great works um, by iconic black authors and black thinkers. James Baldwin is quoted here. And like this comic, I think transcends being a comic and goes right up on the shelf with things that are just a work of art. It's so smart and has such a great perspective. And I think that it should really be checked out and celebrated. And I think we should all look to this um, because don't get me wrong. Popcorn comics are wonderful. I love a good, silly, funny book. Give me an Archie Digest. That's nothing but kissing any day. <laughs> um, but this is so much more than that. It's so special as a piece of art. It's so special as a comic book. And, um, you know, because of rights, it's hard to get your hands on stuff like this. So the fact yeah. that Comixology has it like five out of five, rush out in a buying frenzy, subscribe, get all of this, and you will be a smarter reader and a better reader for it. Yeah, it is. Uh, man, uh, I forget there's a really good podcast, and I don't know if it was John Suntress that did it or if it was the iFanboy guys that did it, uh, but not too long ago, there was a deep dive on Dwayne McDuffie and Icon and Milestone mm -hmm. and all of that stuff and just kind of how that whole group got screwed over really bad. And yeah. then, of course, he passed away, and yep. that really threw a wrench in trying to get a lot of these characters moved up into the forefront and getting them new stories and new places in DC and, uh, mm -hmm. and all over the place. So if you guys and can track just, that down, just recently appeared in, um, the, the characters appear in a minor role in the most recent series of young justice. Mm -hmm. And, uh, like that was very exciting for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they've tried to relaunch milestone, like, four or they five times. Literally announced it at every San Diego comic-con that I could remember. That yeah. it's coming back. Um, and at, then, at one point, McDuffie was writing Justice League and had plans to bring Icon and Rocket in mm -hmm. before executive meddling kind of destroyed it. And then they relaunched the whole Justice League title. But yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. it is. It is a uh, man. He was a great, a great mind. Uh, is, yeah. He passed away too young. Uh, if you they do have the um, uh, the McDuffie Awards that that people should go check out uh, yep. every year um, and uh, and support all those creators that get nominated and especially the creators who win that. Uh, but yeah, just, just go into the history of, of milestone and the icon uh, and all the characters that McDuffie and, and the rest of the group created. Cause there's more than just McDuffie that uh, doing this um, because it's fascinating. It is fascinating. So thank you for that, Ashley. Thank you for bringing that little bit of history 
uh, to our table this week. I uh, was just thinking about static the other day and why um, why or why not we are not seeing a lot of him. So it's kind of weird for those of you who are listening to the pre-show this week. Uh, a lot of things that have popped up in my head in the last couple of days. People start talking about on this show. That's really weird. Uh, Look, uh, we speaking, all know you're psychic. <laughs> I know, right? Speaking of three raccoons in a costume, Matthew, what's going on in Mighty Morphin <laughs> number four? Okay, first of all, Ashley, don't encourage him. That only makes it worse. Uh, secondly, Mighty Morphin <laughs> number four, finally, I should say, shouldn't say finally, it's been maybe four months, but it does reveal the identity of the new Green Ranger, uh, who is a member of the Mighty Morphin team, the seventh Ranger, to my knowledge, the first seventh Ranger in American continuity, especially if you count wrong. But here's the thing. Cat, get down. Sorry about that. Mighty Morphin, number four, written by Ryan Parrott, art by Marco Renna, starts with the Tiger Zord and the Thunder Zord, the Honder Megazord, in battle against Lord Zed. And they lose badly. And they're about to get trounced when they are suddenly teleported away by someone that they don't, they have no idea who it is. Even Zordon doesn't know who the teleporting was. Now, if you've been reading this book, there are three or four people who might be the Green Ranger floating around the book. Evil Tommy and, that's escaped from prison. Uh, right. He's actually out of the running now because he's gone to space with the Omega Rangers. Uh, Skull's new girlfriend, Candace, who may or may not be. Uh, Kimberly's ex-boyfriend, Matthew. And uh, some random schmuck. And the, the options are narrowing down, of course. There are fewer and fewer. And by the end of this issue, we find out that one of those people teleported the Rangers away from trouble. One of those people is the Green Ranger. And Lord Zed has officially won. He has destroyed the Ranger Zords. He has encased Angel Grove in an unbreakable dome, a force field that cannot be passed through even by teleportation. The Rangers are stuck outside, with the exception of the Green Ranger, who goes on the news, the Angel Grove news, and announces, Hey, I'm one of you. I will not abandon you. I'm going to continue to fight for you. And my name is... I'm sorry. that was. So, here's the thing. I was impressed and I was not dismayed when it comes to something like this. I'm not going to reveal it. You have to buy the issue to figure it out. But when it comes to something like this, when they make the point who is under a particular mask, it can really, really be disappointing, especially if you have an obvious candidate where you're like, it should be this person. It needs to be this person. Like when Marvel did the jackpot situation where it's like is jackpot mary jane watson and the answer turned out to be no and at that point nobody cared who jackpot was if she wasn't mary jane watson because the whole point was could she be mary jane this mystery was handled much better in that there are a couple of options all of which would be equally cool equally interesting equally meaningful especially to people who've been reading these boom stories from the beginning or even for a couple of years so, four slices of meatloaf for Mighty Morphin number four. No, I'm not going to tell you who the Green, Green Ranger is, but once you read the book, tweet at me at Mighty King Cobra and say, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, I will be happy to complain with you and or commiserate with you and say, isn't that awesome and or terrible? Could just be that it's the logical choice, not necessarily the fan choice. I think that's what happens a lot of times is uh, people start thinking, oh, it's got to be this because I want it to be this. And right. then it's like, well, but that's not the logical direction right, that the story's going in. Remember the monarch situation where the story no, was set up. No, I don't remember up. that at all. The, the mighty story monarch? was set up and created to where the logical choice was actually the choice that made sense. And the editorial found out that it was leaked and made a swerve at the last minute. And well, no, the, I think the problem was that it was the obvious choice and it was so obvious that everyone figured it out. And then editorial was like, uh, uh, we're going to go yep. this direction. And then they literally like, made the change I after the issue had been drawn. I don't think that is this. the case with Mighty Morphin four. Ryan Parrott's been oh, no. doing he's been doing the Power Rangers for a couple of years now. So I yeah. think that I think he's probably if you I, here's my guess, Matthew, if you went back and reread all of his 
uh, Power Rangers and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and Shattered Grid and all that stuff, I bet the seeds are planted. Oh, in, it absolutely is. Yeah. In I've there. Been yeah. And so when you get to it, you're yeah. like, OK, well, I can see why that where they went that way. So uh, yeah, that it's, is kind of we'll see if it's angry, though. That is Mighty Morphin number four. It is out this week from Boom Studios. I'm going to wrap up our review section with another review from Boom Studios. I reviewed The Last Witch number one a month ago on the show. And I was like, I'm, I, I said, I thought it was a little wordy, but I'm interested in seeing what issue two brings to the table. And so uh, we get electronic versions of these. These are review copies that are sent to us. And uh, just because I wanted to not sit here in front of my computer reading these, I transferred it over to my uh, iPad where I have a, a, a comic app that I can open up and read things. And I went upstairs and I sat down and I started reading this. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This is, you know, this is the point where our hero um, uh, is sneaking up on the witch's tower to see if her brother has been kidnapped in there. And I'm, I'm going through this and I'm like, there's no word balloons. There's no text boxes. There's nothing. I'm like, well, this is really good. They're going the whole silent route after last time's very wordy issue. And I'm like four or five pages in and there's this whole witch that shows up that's trying to eat her brother and she escapes and she kind of uses her power to escape and kill the witch. I'm like, this is really cool. And then all of a sudden her grandmother shows up and it looks like maybe they're having a conversation. And I'm like, what the heck is going on? And then I realized that when Boom sends our review copies, they have to be opened in a PDF reader, a, a real PDF reader, because the text... <laughs> The text on, on this happened layer. to be on another layer, which didn't get translated when I put it over onto the, the comic reader and opened the PDF there. So here's the thing. Even though there's a lot of words in that first part of the book that I was just describing to you, it reads, and again, nothing against Connor McCreary, who's the, the writer on this, because I still find, found the book very engaging. But to go to super silent and have everything kind of played out through the great art of VV Glass, I still understood everything that was going on. Except for one bit where um, that you can't tell through through the actions on the page that um, uh, Source's friend, I don't know how you say the girl's name, S-A-O-I-R-S-E, Sersha's friend, uh, who, who ran off to the tower in the first episode, she's actually eating him when uh, she approaches the, the witch. So that's why we kind of know what happened to him through text. Um, but then it gets into... You know, she's got the power, she's got the witch's mark, and by fighting the 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 Kalich, uh, she's improved some of her powers and her and her witch's mark grew bigger and bigger and bigger, and then she goes into a magical dream state and a dreamland and starts uh, communing with all the natures and stuff, and her grandmother goes along too. That part starts to get a, maybe a little bit too deep, and I really think that they are the two of them, the creators are really diving into uh, I'm gonna guess Irish. Uh, in Celtic mythology in terms of yeah, witches and those Irish kinds of things. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that that's really, really interesting. Um, I really think that the whole issue should have been, let's escape from the witch. Let's have grandma reveal not only uh, the, the main character's identity, but grandma's true identity as well. And uh, just kind of leave it there without going off into a mystical dream journey. Um, I think might have been a little bit better on this, but it's still wonderful art. I really see this. This could easily turn into an animated movie uh, for YA, maybe not little kids, because I think there's some really scary stuff with this witch chewing on on the bones and gristle of of uh, the former friend. But it's still a very solid. It's still a very solid read. Um, I think you, though, need to probably be maybe a little bit more versed into the lore of which they're talking to really appreciate everything that's going on. Otherwise, it just feels like a massive info dump. Whereas if you're familiar with this, you're probably reading this and going, oh, this means so much more than than what they're putting on the page, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that it's probably better served for maybe a different audience. Uh, I still enjoyed it a lot. I, th I think that it's deserving of four slices of meatloaf or four slices of former friend. Um, but... <laughs> You know, it's it was still really, really good read. I love the art by VV Glass. Uh, like I said, I was just admiring these pages before I realized the layer for the text wasn't turned on. Uh, but uh, still a very solid book. It's The Last Witch, number two, out this week from Boom Studios. It is worth checking out. So there you go. Uh, let's see. What else we got going on? Oh, there's so much going on over the Major Spoilers Podcast Network. This week on Top 5, it is the top five comics to read in the dark. Oh, you're going to want to listen to this one, ladies and gentlemen. It's good, and it's got 
audience participation. So you've got to listen and then you have to participate. So get that uh, get that done over on a geek history lesson. Uh, Jason and Ashley talk about Ilyana Rasputin uh, with uh, with magic. They go into the history of her. And so you want to go in and listen to that. Wayne's Comics Podcast uh, has another fantastic interview this week. Uh, Wayne goes in and talks with uh, Bernie Gonzalez. And so there's always some good times there. Uh, This week on the Dueling Review Podcast, thanks to you, our dear listeners who went and voted. Uh, We're going to review Orcs number one, or I guess it's just Orc number one from Boom Studios. So a lot of Boom Studios uh, this week on the Major Spoilers Podcast uh, network, or I should say Major Spoilers Plus. And uh, let's see, uh, Dan is popping in this week with a new top five episode. Let me see really quick what Dan's top five is going to be about. Uh, the top five games that you can play with a deck of cards. Ooh, Ooh we love it. Yeah. Actually, that's next, next week. This week's top five is the top five comics to read in the dark. Uh, but next week, it will be the top five uh, games to play with a deck of cards. So there you go. On that, you can check out more over at Majorspoilers.com, or like I said, just do a search for Major Spoilers Plus and get access to everything. Now, for the moment that everybody has been waiting for, discussion of Mark Miller comics. So this week we are taking a look at The Secret Service, or as it's been renamed, Kingsman The Secret Service, uh-huh. following the adaptation of the uh, book series into a movie. And Come actually... Yeah, what are we up to? A third movie they're getting ready to do? Are they adapting the uh, the Red Sapphire or Crystal or whatever that third third series was? Got me. Uh, Ashley, have you seen the Kingsman movie? I've seen two Kingsman movies. Oh, okay. So you've have you seen one more than I have? I would recommend only seeing one Kingsman movie. <laughs> Which one would and that then, be? Is that the, uh, first, the first one or the second first one? one? Okay. And, and then cutting um, out looking... in the last fifteen. Seconds. And then looking up some pictures of Pedro Pascal from the saga <laughs> one, because he is a fine, fine man. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, for whatever reason, I didn't get to see the second one. That was a good impulse. Yeah. And it wasn't just because I was turned off by the whole property or anything, because, you know, here's the thing. Uh, Mark Miller likes to push buttons. Uh, Mark Miller likes to go as far out on a limb as he possibly can before he turns everyone away. And so if we're looking at the movie just by itself, he does that, right? He's like, well, how far can we go? How crude can we get before mm-hmm. people get totally turned off? And I, and I think, uh, you know, that movie pushes that limit quite a bit. The comic book, though, because this is the first time I've read the comic book, it doesn't really push the buttons that much. I was really surprised that there is a night and day difference in the crude humor from the comic book to the movie. I agree. I really love the movie, except for the final beat of it, which I think is uh, deeply offensive and almost undoes everything that's good about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, But I think the movie really has a cool edge that something like James Bond should be looking to um, even the poster for the second movie where he's in that orange suit. Like mm-hmm. there is something sort of edgy and cool, which is a, a they're bad words. And it's a weird intangible quality. Um, and unfortunately I don't feel like the comic has that. I don't think the comic is nearly as fun as the movie. Well, and no, I, I will agree with you that I, I'm just saying that, you know, if you have only seen the, the, the Kingsman movie, and you're seeing all of the the hard action and all the crude yes. humor that is in there, and you see the the Samuel L. Jackson running around, and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't read to read wait to read this comic book. This it's comic book reads like James Bond Jr. Uh, yes, um, but less. Intru- I mean, I've never seen the James Bond Jr. Uh, is there a franchise? It's, there's, there's an animated. There's an animated there show. Yeah, uh, but I feel like this is like. Not even as good as the idea. I just think Gary is deeply unlikely, and I think Eggsy is very likable. And like, so this comic was hard for me, even though I like spy stories and I like a lot of what this is throwing down. But it, within the shadow of the movie, it's kind of it's difficult, Bland. and yeah. you should be able to enjoy things differently and parse them out differently and and, and grade them on their own respective scales. But uh, obviously, I can't do that. 
So. Well, and I, and I think that's the weird thing, because, again, <laughs> I went in with some, some expectations, having read Wanted, having read Kick-Ass, having read, uh, what's another one that we've read recently? Starlight? Have you read Starlight? Oh, yeah, Starlight, the, uh, the Flash Gordon so thing. So good. Makes me cry. Yeah, the Starlight. I think that's the Flash Gordon one, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. The little fairy that one. Ugh. That one is really, really good, and I'm surprised they haven't moved forward with that. Yeah. But, you know, this is probably coming, uh, certainly... This is one of the last things before Miller World was bought up by Netflix. Uh-huh. Um, this so, is the sequel, I think. Yeah, so that may be why this is kind of the way it is. But I don't know, Matthew. I just, like I said, this felt like James Bond Jr. It had everything that you want in a James Bond story to a point, but it didn't have, I, I felt like it didn't have the edginess that we saw in Wanted or in Kick-Ass. Well, I don't think that either of those are good things, but I feel like what has happened here is remarkable because this is a comic book that is clearly written as a movie pitch. And when the movie was made, the parts of it that were too much like existing movies were jettisoned in favor of something different when they were making the film. So the parts of this that to me are dull or obnoxious or boring are all the parts that feel the most like we're writing a script for a movie. These are the moments where you're like, Oh, Oh, they just killed Luke Skywalker. Oh, and these guys are getting shot in the face. And this is something where to me, I remember reading issue one off the stands and thinking, boy, this is dull. And then coming back for issue three and thinking, boy, this is not to my taste at all. I just not going to read this, but this book is clearly designed as a multimedia pitch. And I feel like it works as that first draft because as Ashley pointed out, that movie is charming. That movie is Mm -hmm. funny. It's well cast. It's well written. It's got really nice moments that play with the tropes of your spy movies. And it, it, it's playful and it, it enjoys, Hey, here we are in James Bond territory, wink and smile. And here's some great moments and a really, really terrible, bad, you know, stupid joke at the end. But this book feels like we're trying really hard to be a serious, serious movie I don't, like you get mm-hmm. with Daniel Craig. I don't, I don't well, know if not I, serious, but I, no, we're, see, trying, that's, we're trying to be a movie, movie, movie. That's where I maybe disagree a little bit with the with the first issue because of the entire uh, all of the issues in this volume. I really think the first one is the best because it starts out like, hey, guys, you know, James Bond. But this time, remember in uh, Her Majesty's Secret Service when they're, you know, uh, uh, skiing down the side of the mountain, how uh, people got hung up and flipped and all this stuff. We're going to go one step further and we're going to actually show you cutting their heads off and getting blowed up real good. And just like in the movie where he goes off the edge of the cliff and the parachute opens, only this time what I what I like about this, that especially that opening sequence, uh, is the fact that he turns it on his head and says, oh, guess what? The parachute didn't open this time. And that kind of sets the tone for kind of the rest of the book. And so I kind of really, I really kind of enjoyed that saying, you know, you think this is James Bond. Here's a guy that looks like James Bond, acts like James Bond, but none of this is James Bond. The book, though, still has every single beat that we find in the movie. Um, And so I can I can just see somebody was interested in this. And as they went to Miller and said, hey, we want to turn this into a movie. Can you make it edgier? And he's like, yeah, sure. Let's let's throw Miller in some other things. I don't know if he wrote the movie, but I'm sure he had some input or whoever wrote the movie uh, certainly uh, was like, let's crank it up. Let's crank it up just a little bit. Crank it up to 11 and go from there. And the reason why you this is probably not that movie pitch is because in Wanted, uh, who was the artist on Wanted? Was that that wasn't um, Gibbons on that? Dotto, uh, I think. Oh, was it? OK. Or no, it was one of the one of the image guys. Yeah, because you know they went through great- the original uh, Kingsman movie screenplay credit is to Jane Goldman. Oh, there you go. Uh, who but, is you know, a, a collaborator of Matthew Vaughn, who was the director. Yeah, there you and go. He has a story. J.G. Jones is the guy who did uh, Wanted. And you know they went to great they went to great lengths to throw in Eminem and all the other all the other recognizable characters into that. And they didn't do that here. The only time they did it is when it's like, hey, this guy's capturing uh, William Shatner. So let's see William Shatner. This guy is capturing Roger Moore. Let's see Roger Moore. This guy is kidnapped Mark Hamill. Let's see Mark Hamill. That's about the only time that you see that. So there wasn't a whole lot of stunt casting 
uh, in the comic that that we've seen in the past in some of the other. Um, Mark Hamill doesn't even look like Mark no, Hamill. No, he which doesn't. And I, is that, by design. Likeness rights are a thing, yes. and I actually think it's a smart choice. But he fully does not look like Mark Hamill. No, no, no. And I've forgotten when I read this, I was like, Mark Hamill. I don't remember this. And it took me a while ago. Oh, yeah, I do remember that from the movie because it's. I think the only time I saw the movie was in the theater when it first I came out. I remember watching the movie and being like, well, that was crazy. And then uh, Jason had seen it before or read the book. And he was like, that's fully in the first issue. Of yeah, the yeah. Book. yeah. Yeah. See, I disagree about turning it up to 11 in the movie. I feel like the movie actually cranks down some of this, the aspects of this film, the, the backstory, the whole thing with his mom and the conflict with his stepfather and all of that. I feel like it really does get dialed down and the, the huge, death sequence that they have here at the wedding that ends up being that amazing sequence at the church in the film isn't as wild and obnoxious and crazy in the movie, but it's staged in such a way that it feels so much bigger because in here we see, you know, a bunch of uh, couples who just got married killing each other uh-huh. as opposed to a bunch of people fighting Clive Owen or whomever that is. Well, they're, um, all, they're killing each other in the church. Colin Firth? Did you just call Colin Firth Clive Owen? How dare you? Look, I don't Clive know. Owen For wishes shame. he looks like that in his 60s. I don't know. <laughs> I just know he's the guy from that really good movie where it's absolutely not about uh, Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin. Uh, with Kevin Bacon, you should check it out. Got Kevin Bacon, in Mr. Darcy. I, I haven't seen that, but I also feel like this story takes the moments, like the end, where Gary drives and he goes in, and they're like, "Oh, there's trouble. There's trouble in Moscow." I feel like that's taking the the James Bond aspect of it much more seriously than the movie does, yeah. and. As much as I hate that ending, that ending at least tries to be funny. It fails miserably, but it's one of several times in the film where it's clear that they're like, we are going to make something that we're definitely playing with James Bond turf. And we're definitely, you know, drowning people and murdering people and having these things happen. But we're also trying to make it feel a little bit lighter and a little bit less, you know, overwhelmingly. So in a way, I feel like the movie is more successful in that it focuses on this, you know, this middle class British character and brings him into this and makes him sort of an ersatz James Bond in a way that's likable. Whereas this story actually has a character who may be better at the job, but is just so boring. I mean, and, well, I, I and so I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with you that the movie isn't isn't good. Don't get me wrong. And and that's why I said this book is very dry and boring uh, or pales in comparison when you compare to it to the film, movie. Yeah. And that's why I said it feels like a James Bond Jr. where it doesn't have all the gravitas that you might expect in a James Bond book mm-hmm. or adventure. It still has all the trappings. It still has all of the beats that you might find in a James Bond thing, especially with the gimmicky villains and then the the major plot reveal and then the win at the end with the little, aha, I've swapped the, the glasses around kind of thing. Um you know, that that stuff p- plays off very much like James Bond. And again, I, I would probably need to go back and, and see what Miller was saying, uh, what he's uh, written about this, because I just have a feeling that he wanted to do something James Bond and the broccoli uh, uh, state and the um, uh, the <laughs> oh, who's the writer? Uh, you know, his estate were both like, no, Ian Fleming and Ian Fleming. And they were all like, no. And so Mark Miller was like, budget, I'm just going to do this. And and whip this out maybe as a proof of concept for look, I can do a James Bond book. I just don't feel like this was him saying, let's make this a movie. I think he was just like, I can do a James Bond story, too. And I don't remember when Dynamite got the got the James Bond franchise. I, I think it would be after it was this. recent, wasn't it? I want to yeah, say that. Like, I want to say it was like 2015, 2016. Yeah, it may. It may have been because when did this movie come out? 2012. 2014. 2014. I'd, I'd have to look to see when Dynamite um, got the the uh, the franchise because I, maybe the two of them are very closely related uh, to that. James Bond. Let's see. The James first, Bond came out uh, in Dynamite 2015. Got it in November 2015 yeah, is yeah. when their is when it debuted. Yeah, with their their Varger or their Varger storyline. Yeah, so it definitely 
was not, I don't think it's a, a coinky dink no. that that happened. That, that announcement was made in October of 2014, though. So it was almost a full year before they got around yeah. to that. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I just don't feel as this, this does not to me read as, hey, let's make a movie out of this. Uh, because there would have been a lot, there would have been a lot of different things done, I think, in this comic if they were really pushing it to be, to be a movie. Um, I, feel like I will a say a lot of the stuff that Miller has done in the last 15 years just feels like movie pitches to me. Well, certainly the stuff that he's done I mean, since Netflix is very that starlight is very yeah. that I think everything after wanted honestly is, is that, and a lot of comics in general is that. Yeah. Well, certainly after Miller world launched and then oh, after yeah. Netflix uh, bought it, that was all then. That was all, all of his stuff is pitches for TV shows and stuff for, for Netflix. So from that point, yes, um, there's a little bit of nudity in here. So be aware of that. There's not as much graphic violence as I expected. We do get to see uh, one character's head explode. Uh, we do see a few decapitations. We do get to see a guy taken down with a laser pin. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of violence. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, compared to what we saw in, uh, we were talking about Invincible and Ryan Otley uh, last week, the violence in this is nothing compared to a Ryan Otley head explosion. Certainly um, compared to Otley or compared to, you know, like an issue of the boys. But, you know, if you're comparing it just to a random comic off the street, every one of these six issues has a blood fountain in it somewhere. Yes. There is, there is violence throughout these stories. Now, I agree with you that there could have been more, <laughs> but if you're worried about violence, you're not going to, oh, I'm not saying not that there's, I'm not saying that there's not violence. I'm just not saying there's not super graphic violence. People's heads are exploding. Yes. I get shot in the eye. Uh, that's why I said, that's we why I referenced, that is why I referenced, hurt. that's why I referenced, there is one graphic scene where a man's head explodes, where one of the characters is shot in the head directly. Um, I believe that there's more graphic scenes. Well, that, that's your opinion. That's fine. Um, uh, there is also nudity, so be aware of that. I I don't know. I just didn't care for this when I was done reading it. I was just like, well, this is fairly, for, compared to other things that we've read, this is fairly tame. And certainly compared to the movie, this is fairly tame. And a very straightforward story that plays out exactly as you expect it to play out. So I don't know. I I was uh, I haven't read any other of the Kingsman books. Uh, you know what? I forget what the most recent one is, Matthew. But well, there's this, only been two. There's the, been this isn't this the Red those. Circle or the Red Dot the or red, yeah, the Red something or other, the Crimson Diamond or something. I forget what it is. But I just um, there's nothing in here that's really super appealing to me. And this is something that I think really kind of can get um, a pass from me. I mean, sure, read it if you want, but I think the movie does it better. Yeah. And and again, if you were to watch the movie and then read the comic, I, you're, they're, they're very night and day from one another. Um, certainly the movie has a lot more color than this book does. And so I think both, by the, both literally and narratively. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I really think at the end of the day, you'll probably look at uh, the secret service or as it's retitled now, Kingsman, the secret service as a bit of a letdown and probably not, not worth recommending to other people. Matthew, what are final thoughts from you on this? I would actually agree. I feel like Dave Gibbons is a very talented artist. And Dave Gibbons puts a lot of effort into the images here. And I feel like every page has something you can look at. Every issue certainly has something you can look at. But all in all, I don't like this. I, I didn't like it when I read it the first time, and I didn't find much that changed my opinion in this read-through. I will say it's well-drawn. I feel like the, the embers of something amazing are here. And those embers got fanned into the movie, which is a much better take on the same thing. So honestly, if you want to know about this, watch the movie and then just pretend that it's dull. Pretend that the movie is dull. Yes. And then you'll have exactly what reading this book is like. So I'm like, man, yeah. I wish that there was something here where it's there's like Samuel L. Jackson yelling at somebody. There's so, you know what I was really kind of hoping for more in this book. And it mm. may be because I was just watching, um, the gentleman, uh, from how is that with Matthew McConaughey? I know this is the second time I've more watched importantly it. with Henry Golding. Oh yes, that's right. I <laughs> forgot. Uh, please forgive me for that. Uh, Ashley, <laughs> y 
I think I'm just here to talk about handsome men. That's all I've done this whole podcast. No, that's that's fine. <laughs> uh, the uh, the the director of this, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, Guy Ritchie. So uh, I actually forgot that this had just come out. I think this was one of the ones that came out during pandemic or just before pandemic. This is a, a 2019 so. film. And so when it landed on my uh, Apple TV, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is Guy Ritchie. I haven't seen a Guy Ritchie film in a long time. This feels like Guy Ritchie, like lock, stock and two smoking barrels done right. I mean, it's very violent and it's all about um, uh, drug lords. You know, so if you look at lock, stock and two smoking barrels, it is gentlemen gangsters on the lowest rung of the society and gentlemen is uh you know these gangsters gentlemen gangsters at the top of the rung of society and so it's very interesting from from that standpoint i very very much enjoyed it it feels like a guy right richie film and you know i kind of get into the cockney slang that permeates guy richie films and uh, so I was kind of hoping for a little bit more of that in this book, and I didn't get it. And so maybe that's also something that kind of turned me off on this book. But uh, if you haven't seen Gentleman, uh, Ashley, highly recommend it. Definitely. So I have you, not because I haven't heard anything about it. Oh, OK. Have you um, seen any Guy Ritchie films? Are you familiar with Guy Ritchie? I have seen uh, Lockstock. Uh, I have unfortunately seen his Sherlock Holmes adaptations, um, which yeah. are not Sherlock Holmes. If people are into it, that's totally great. If that's your entry into Sherlock, I, that's amazing. It's not for me. Um, I've seen his. Um, oh, my favorite Guy Ritchie joint is uh, Man from Uncle with. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, with uh, Superman. A fortunate new problematic star, Army Hammer. Oh, yeah, him too. Uh, Have you seen seen Snatch? I don't know what that is. So that's the one that has, that is the one that has, um, uh, what's his name, as the, um, as the, the boxer, uh, what is, what is this guy's name? Everybody knows him. He was in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, uh, Brad Pitt. So Brad Pitt plays this, uh, what is, uh, um, they have a specific name for them that is somewhat, uh, not a word you're supposed to use anymore, mm. uh, but he's like, he, he's part of a caravan group, right? Sure. And oh, so yes. He I, just, I understand. He totally, he totally goes off onto this crazy accent that you can't even understand in the movie, but it's all about a diamond heist. And of course, if you've seen Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, uh, this feels like, hey, let's throw a bunch more money at Guy Ritchie and have him kind of remake Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, but with a different premise. If you watch Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch back to back, you will forget which which events happened in which movie. Did he also do Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang? He did do. Uh, did he do Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang? I want to say yes, which is also another really great. No, no, no. Uh, he didn't do Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang. Okay. That is uh, uh, Black. Um, oh, Shane Black, yes, Shane but Black. that feels very much of the same ethos. Yes, here, here are definitely some, here are definitely some Guy Ritchie movies I would recommend: Snatch, Gentlemen, mm-hmm. Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels. Just straight off the top, uh, Rock Great. and Rolla is an attempt to kind of capture the glory of Snatch, and Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels is just okay. Uh, as you said, the Sherlock Holmes movies are are what they hey, are. I'll say this: Jude Law is a great Watson. Yes, uh, I would. Uh, I would agree with you on that. Uh, let me see what else he's done because there's one more movie I wouldn't recommend. King Arthur movie. I would not recommend that King Arthur or Robin Hood oh. movie or whatever it was. A lot yeah. of just Charlie bad Hunnam, things. We we love Charlie Hunnam and his questionable accent work, but absolutely not. Didn't he do Aladdin? He wrote Aladdin. I don't know if he directed Aladdin. No, he directed Aladdin too, and Aladdin actually wasn't horrible. Um, I wish there were some things that they would have done a little differently in that, but um, they need more Gilbert Gottfried. Man, I don't know <laughs> about that, but so yeah, that's that's probably it. You've already seen Man from Uncle, mm-hmm. and if if you'll watch watch Snatch, I think you and Jason would really like Snatch, uh, and then watch The Gentleman because The Gentleman is really good. So yeah, if you if you're kind of going up that chain, it would be Lock, Stock, um, Snatch, and then The Gentleman kind of follows the evolution of The Gentleman. The gentleman um, criminal in there. Every so. time you say lock stock, I think of lock, shock, and barrel from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if that's you, the kind of person I am. If, if you can get your hands on it, I don't know how involved Guy Ritchie was in it, but if you can get your hands on it, try to get your hands on the uh, lock, stock, and two smoking barrels, the television series. Oh, boy. I, I want to say it only ran, it was BBC, right? So it's only like six episodes. 
Okay, but if you get your, great. If you can get your hands on it, it is it is very interesting. Look, the the British television empire and I need to have some words because uh, there's a lot of really great stuff that is not streaming or is not streaming in the proper order because last week I told you we were watching Prisoner in uh, release order, but now we're watching it in production order. Oh, man. <laughs> so uh, people can tell how interested and invested we are in uh, Kingsman, the Secret Service by our yeah, whole, really? <laughs> we've spent more time talking about Guy Ritchie films than we have about the uh, Secret <laughs> Service. But Ashley, how about... You share your final thoughts on this book. Uh, look, if you like the Kingsman films um, or you're into Mark Miller, both of which are laudable things to be, it's worth checking out as from a completist perspective, right? Mm-hmm. Um, however, I don't think it stacks up against the film. And that's fine because adaptation can do things like streamline the most interesting things about a property and elevate it. And that is what the film has done. But unless you really, really want to check it out, I just don't think it's necessary. Um, so borrow it from a friend or skip it is going to be where I land on this, unfortunately. All right. There you go. Uh, yes. So uh, that Lockstock uh, show uh, ran for seven episodes in the year 2000. So if you can track well, it down. For, for British TV, that's long. I mean, Sherlock only know, has right? like nine episodes total. And the first three episodes are probably the best. From what I remember. And I'm not saying how I could tell you how I had access to those shows. I'm, I'm not asking. <laughs> That's good because I'm not telling. What I will tell everyone is that is where we're going to wrap up this issue. Thank you so much for listening and thank you for being part of the Major Spoilers experience. As always, we want to hear your feedback. So use the comment section at Major Spoilers to share your thoughts and reactions to Kingsman and this episode. Or even better, send us an email to podcast at Majorspoilers.com. And don't forget, you can support this show and everything we do with Major Spoilers by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Spoilers. And we will be back next week to talk about Superman Smashes the Clan. Why? Because we know that you love comics and we do too. And we will talk with you soon. Fat the X-ray vision of a Superman I could save a few bucks and stand around And read through the covers of the comics on the stand But although every other page would be backwards, I suppose I could still read the evens and the odds Well, I don't know Guess I haven't thought this all the way through Plus, as soon as the comic book store guy knew They kicked my butt out on the corner What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Way. If I was hulking green or gray, I could just bust through that brick wall, take their comic books away. But then the little meat would deal with all the tanks and bombs and guns. Have you ever tried to read a series with all that going on? Guess I need to rethink this plan. How would I back and board my comics with such huge hands? Guess I already told ya. What a major spoiler. What a major spoiler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a major spoiler. It's like a man of iron I might not be surprised to find That I might actually have the hard cold To follow an entire storyline But would I really even need To read upon all those escapades I mean, who needs such distractions When your sister's such a babe But the downside is such a beast Being shot up in a fun be in the Middle East With a King Santo and soldier What a major spoiler What a major spoiler Yeah, yeah, yeah Major Spoiler. This podcast is copyright 2021 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.